Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, This is Let Me Tell You. Now, here's Joan Hamburg. Welcome to Let Me Tell You. That is my Joan Hamburg, my original podcast. And I'm so glad that you're part of it. And we talk about everything that matters in our life. You know, I had as a guest recently Chelsea Handler, and she was saying her dog, her dog was so used to her being with the dog 24-7 that she was really having a hard time. She couldn't leave. Believe me, I understand. My dog, very neurotic, Annabelle, known as Annie, the white standard poodle, Annabelle is with me or my daughter Lizzie all the time. If we leave, if we open the door and go out to throw out the garbage, She is hysterical. She cries like a baby and clutches her toy. She has this little stuffed flea toy that she got at Chewy's, you know, the place where you get all the animal products at a discount. And she goes crazy. So my daughter, listen to what she does. If either of us are going out like for long periods of time, She puts on the Joan Hamburg podcast and you won't believe it works. The dog, for some reason, is happy with that, thinks I'm around and I'm in the house. So a little secret tip, leave a recording. If you've had a pandemic dog who is used to you being there constantly, the Joan Hamburg podcast, we're rating very well in animals. Anyway, a question that we get a lot of is theater is reopening. Should we go? Would we go? What's happening? Are there really precautions? What are we going to do? So I'm going to introduce you to one of the leading producers. She's won every major award, Pulitzers, everything that the theater and the world can give. She's a real chance taker. She's a true star in the world of theater. And I'm going to share my conversation with the one and only Daryl Raw right now. Welcome, everyone. We get a lot of listener questions. And one of the questions recently is about theater. Theater's coming back. Should we go? Shouldn't we go? Are we having a pandemic? What's the story? Tell me. And of course, I'm turning to one of the top Broadway producers, Daryl Roth. Daryl has produced seven Pulitzer Prize winning plays, including one my daughter-in-law was in, Clybourne Park. She's won Tony's, Olivier's, 
you name it. And I've always loved and admired Daryl. She's one of the great chance takers where others would say, no, I want a musical with 9,000 people. (laughs) Daryl followed her heart and has always done incredibly well. So I really thought it was important for all of you questioning theater, no theater, is theater safe, to go to someone who lives and breathes it. Welcome, Daryl. Oh, thank you, Joan. And thank you for that very warm and and lovely introduction. You're always so gracious, and I appreciate it. You're always there. But people do have, because every day we get a different story on the news, you know, record-breaking virus, hospital admissions and everything. And yet, Our city is really opening with wonderful theater on and off Broadway Mm -hmm. with the Philharmonic. The ballet is coming in in just a short period of time. So tell me what you think. Well, I have to say most people that I've spoken to and that I am talking to daily are feeling very optimistic. They're feeling safe, willing to come back to theater. They know the protocols are all in place those being very simply, you must wear a mask and you must be vaccinated. And that is true of not only the audience, but the staff of the theaters and everyone in the company who is performing. So from that point of view, we can be vigilant and we can feel that comfort level. I think audiences are so enthusiastic about coming back to the theater. We've all missed that sense of community that, you know, you and I love so much when we experience something together. You know, we, we walk into a theater as a bunch of strangers and you leave having experienced something, you know, extraordinary and you feel connected. And that's why theater is called a community in my, in my view. I think also the fact that our city has been really extraordinary in helping support the theater community coming back to rebuild and to reshape. I mean, I have to thank again Senator Schumer, who really made so much of this possible through his leadership in getting the what they called Save Our Venues grants going, because the financial part of this epidemic has been devastating. Devastating. And so he really spearheaded this this way of of getting some lost finances back into the productions, back to the venues, so that we could actually rebuild and and restart. Um, I think most shows that have opened thus far are selling well. Ticket sales are brisk. People are excited. I think that I'm seeing more of a younger generation, you know, probably the first to come in, and then maybe my generation is being a little more patient, maybe just making sure that they hear from right. people that the experience was good and we felt safe. Um, but everyone is yearning for that thing that we love, you know. And so I am optimistic. And I think that, Joan, by the end of the year, there will be 30 new shows opening. I shouldn't say they're all new. Some are returning. But there will be 30 shows open at the end of this year. That's extraordinary after the horrible, challenging 18, 19 months we've been through. And, of course, the big ones have opened, Wicked, Lion King, Hamilton, Hadestown. Right, some of the past hits are coming back and are back. And are back. And then in the coming weeks and months, we're going to have Tina Returns Company, which I love so much and I'm uh, very excited for, and Jagged Little Pill. 
I mean, it's very exciting to think about what everyone has done to pull together to make this happen. Because as you know, better than most people understand, Broadway is the heart of New York. And it's not only that the theater doors open. Pushing those theater doors open opens up the restaurants, opens up the shops, opens up the world, the hotels. And so... And brings tourists, which we desperately need for our economy. Yes. And actually, there's good news on that front because the United States just released, um, you know, the protocols are a little less stringent for tourists who are vaccinated coming from other countries into the U.S. So that will allow more tourism to happen and more tourism brings more ticket buyers and more ticket buyers brings more success. You know, it's the domino effect. But I'd also like to mention, and I know that you know how much I love Off-Broadway, that Off-Broadway has opened with some wonderful shows and continues to. Um, I remember that we opened last April with the first Off-Broadway show, which was Blindness. Uh, That was a very safe thing to do because there were no actors. We were Right, and it was a big hit. And it was a big hit, and it it had the ability to make people feel so comfortable because you heard the show through earphones and you were separated. The social distancing in the theater was great and, you know, the air filtration system was new. Some of the off-Broadway theaters have more flexibility in terms of, you know, the logistics so that they can open up and, and be, you know, really there for people. So, in fact, there's a new show opening up called Regina Comet and... We have another show opening up. Uh, Candace Bushnell wrote a show. I, and I that's that, at the Daryl Roth Theater. And it is. And it is. And that will be signaling some more off-Broadway openings. I'm excited about the public theater production of The Visitor, which stars David Hyde Pierce. I'm excited about, later in the spring, the revival of How I Learned to Drive. I mean, there's so much to be really grateful for as long as everyone stays healthy as long as people follow the rules and are careful and vigilant, I think we're going to have a good season. I I do. So, And, you know, the minute we start seeing, because theater is often dependent on the tourist industry, and hopefully, as you mentioned, that is going to open up. And one of the things on everyone's list is go to Broadway, go to Off-Broadway, the heart of New York. Did a lot of producers drop out during this year and a half, endless year and a half, or did most of them hang in until they reached this point? Most of the people I know really were tenacious, and they found ways to stay connected. We had so many Zoom calls. We had a number of new organizations that that dealt specifically with diversity and figuring out ways to make our theater more open to everyone that so we could come back stronger and move forward with more inclusivity. And this gave us the time to really investigate all of the things that are not working, that could be made better. It gave us this intermission to really rethink what we have to do as an industry or as a community, I should say, to face the issues that are actually facing society, right? We had to learn that we must represent more voices, that we must be more open, that we must be more inclusive. And look at the shows that are opening now. 
I mean, all of that planning and all of that uh, encouragement and excitement and optimism and hard work have given us new plays by playwrights that are of color, that perhaps didn't have a seat at this table on Broadway before. So I think a lot of good things, if we can even think about it that way, came out of this really devastating period of time. I always like to think about, you know, the glass half full, and we have to count our blessings that most people that work in theater that were able to continue doing what they love were able to do that. Now, sadly, the flip side of that... There were many actors and young people who had come to New York to, you know, find their way, um, who unfortunately were not able to be, you know, sustained, were not able to sustain themselves without working. That is a sad part, but hopefully many of them will be able to come back when more shows will open. And so I think the balance is one that is very fragile right now. But when you ask, are there people able to stay at it. We love what we do so much that if we were able to sustain ourselves in the various fields, there were so many creative things that happened. The costume, the costumers who, who band together and did this wonderful new organization that supports each other. People thought of creative ways to remain creative. And so I just hope that the people that were not able to stay in the city because their jobs were, you know, taken away. Right, and they were afraid, but they are starting to come back. I think so. I think so. And it's important that we get them. As Daryl pointed out, it isn't just you're going to see a show. It's everything that surrounds it. And it's what we love about our city. So we've got to pick ourselves up and really go for it. I was curious, with all that's going on in TV land, with all the streaming one after another, Mm -hmm. do you think that has an impact even on people who might be interested in producing, that they're thinking maybe this is an easier route? That's an interesting question. I think streaming has changed the way we all think about TV and entertainment, and it served its purpose so magnificently while we were all locked in our homes and apartments. So right. who thought we'd be watching view, so many things that we never thought of before. Exactly. But what I'm seeing and what I'm hopeful will continue is that a lot of the uh, plays and musicals, and Hamilton is a perfect example, which just won an Emmy, will be, you know, will go from stage to screening and streaming with an ST. <laughs> I think that's going to happen more and more. Plays will be streamed and more people who are not able to come to New York will be able to appreciate the good work that's being done. So I think it's a plus. I think it's a plus. Do I think more people will start producing? I think that is not necessarily for the individual producer or the independent producer who's, you know, a theater bent. It's it's a different industry. Um, but in terms of providing content, I think that's where the opportunities are. I'm right. certainly thinking about that myself. Uh, so, yes. I think that it all melds together after all, doesn't it? Because good storytelling is good storytelling. We want to exactly. see it on stage. And it's about storytelling. That's it. And we want those stories told to us live and on stage. We want those stories told to us however they come to us. So it's all good. It's all good. 
You know, we've talked about it before, but people still will say to me, what does a producer do? What's a producer? We know what a director does. We know what actors do. And it's still an area of curiosity. I know when you started out, you said you were living in New Jersey. I mean, this wasn't like you at 20 years old said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a famous producer on Broadway. <laughs> or did you? No. And I was more 40 years old, not 20 years old when I started. No, I just knew that it was a an area that meant a lot to me, that filled my soul. I loved it. I had no idea that I could do it or couldn't do it, but I was willing to try. And I think that's the old college try is true in any industry, in any field that anybody wants to try to make it in. You just have to be passionate about what that is and be tenacious, work hard, find your way, and good things can happen. I think that being a producer is really a very difficult job to define because it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a lot of this and a lot of that. Basically, you're sort of the one who runs the family. The first most important task, I would say, is finding material that you want to put yourself behind, that you want to support. Find those writers that you believe in. Find the stories you want to tell. And always think about what means something to you because, in turn, it hopefully will mean something to those people that you want to reach. It's a wonderful profession. Of course, and it's in the family. Daryl's son has grown up to be a famous theater person, producing amazing things, too. And his mom, seven Pulitzer Prize winning plays, many of (laughs) which um, you all have seen, Three Tall Women, How I Learned to Drive, A Proof, Clybourne Park, and others. So now that the theater is rising again, off and on, Are you looking at new works to do? I am, and I've had a few things in the pipeline that were sadly stalled, you know, just like everyone else. We had to sort of hold on and and wait for our moments. I have a great new musical called Between the Lines that's based on a book by Jody Pico that will begin in May. And um, we were actually lucky in a funny way because we were about to go into rehearsal that fateful March 12th. And we did not. So we're just going to start again anew. And I have a new play that I'm going to start at the Geffen Theater in Los Angeles, actually. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, I'm really happy about it. And it's a wonderful play called Power of Sale that was written by a playwright named Paul Grelong, who some 22 years ago, you'll love this, I produced a play that he wrote when he was a young playwright. It was called Manuscript. And it was directed by our friend Bob Balaban. And oh, you're this kidding. young man was, was, yeah, and this young playwright was, was tapped by TV land, and he went off to California, became a famous writer, and a very, uh, still a wonderful, wonderful, Actor. talented writer. And he sent me a play about three years ago, before COVID, and he said, my true love is playwriting, and I'd love you to read my new play. So, A, I was very honored, because... 20 years had passed between our first experience, and this is the play. And so we're going to start it in Los Angeles since he lives there with his family, and I'm hopeful that it will be successful and then I will bring it to Broadway. So that's one thing I'm excited about. I'm also very excited about a play, 
a musical, I should say, called The Visitor, which the Public Theater will be presenting. That That's I, great. And you're involved in that? I am involved in these early development stages, but it's the public who is putting it on. Right. And hopefully, of course, I mention again how I learned to drive because it's it's sort of our reunion of Mary Louise Parker and David Morse, who initiated the roles many, many years ago in Paula Vogel's beautiful play. And that will happen at Manhattan Theater Club. So those are the things that I'm excited about right now. And and um, that will keep me busy for a while. It sounds like it's going to keep you busy for a while. And if Daryl is busy and excited, that's a good omen for all of us. Thank you so much, Daryl. We look forward to the new season. We hope to celebrate all your plays. Congratulations. Thank you, Joan. Thank you. And we'll talk real soon. Be well. Bye-bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.